Welcome to A Whole Load of Property, Business, and Mindset, a podcast bringing together like-minded people who have an interest in all things business, property investing, and personal development, no matter what stage of your journey you're at. And now, here's your host, Dan Cooper. On today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about um, a buy-to-let purchase or what a typical buy-to-let might look like in whole. Um, there's many sort of investment methods out there and different appetites for investment and everybody has a, a different sum of money to invest. So today's episode, I'm just going to talk a bit about, like I said, what a typical buy-to-let would look like in whole and what £50,000 can get you. As part of this episode, I'll do a breakdown on £50,000. You will have some spare change at the end as well, so you can put it towards other investments. Um, but there's many things to take into consideration when you are looking to buy a property. And these things are, you know, knowing your area, what costs are going to be involved, that's for the purchase. And obviously, once you've acquired the property, there's some costs involved as well. So just taking you through some of these costs then, um, and, and like I said, this is a typical buy-to-let opportunity in whole. So prices here can range anything from um, 60, 65,000 pounds all the way through to, you know, 250, 300, 400,000. This, and that's geography dependent. So today's typical buy to let I'm going to be looking at is, uh, around the 90,000 pound range. And there's a reason for that. And the reason I've chosen 90,000 pound is because these properties tend to be in areas where, you know, capital appreciation is okay, but they also give you a good yield. So you're sort of compromising on, on both but you're still going to see the benefit of both of these as well. Obviously, this is dependent on whether it's a two-bed or three-bed, but for the example today, it's going to be on a a £90,000 property. So when purchasing, it depends how you're purchasing, whether you're buying in a limited company or in your own name. For today's scenario, it's going to be in a limited company. Um, The reason I mention that is interest rates are different, lending criteria, etc., etc. So how much does it cost to buy a property then? If you're looking at a property price of around £90,000, if you're buying in a limited company, um, if, you, if you're buying like I do, um, what you would do is look at a 75 loan to value, 75% loan to value. So therefore, you would need a deposit of 25% to put down in order to purchase that property. Obviously, the bank lending the other 75%. So the deposit on that works out around £22,500. Now, in terms of the other costs you have to take into consideration, um, you know, there's stamp duty land tax. There was a holiday uh, not so long ago during the COVID period, but this didn't really benefit investors in this price range anyway. Um, so you've got your stamp duty, your legal costs, so your legal costs of buying, uh, and that's broken down even further into land registry fees, um, company house searches, etc. But For the benefit, I'm just going to encapsulate it all and put it into um, the one category called legal fees. You also have broker fees. Some mortgage brokers um, don't charge these. I think that's uh, geography dependent, but but mine does. um, And I know that there's a lot of uh, brokers out there that do charge fees, which is standard. Um, When it comes to getting a mortgage, you also pay valuation fees. There may be arrangement fees on top, but I'm not going to talk about them today. I'll have James, uh, my broker, on a podcast soon and he'll be able to go into all things mortgages. 
Um, refurbishment, some properties require refurbishment, some don't need refurbishment, but um, we'll put in a contingency for that anyway. If you're buying on Rightmove or through an agent, you don't obviously pay sourcing fees, but then the benefit of paying a sourcer is they find you sort of opportunities um, subject to the criteria that you've given them. So for this benefit, we'll put in a sourcing fee. Um, and then they're, they're the main sort of fees that are taken into consideration when buying a property. So I'll just break these down a bit further of what I have sort of averaged out and what I pay, just so you can figure out you know, what sort of money you need to, to purchase a property here in Hull. I've already mentioned that the deposit was £22,500. Like I said, that's the 25%. So stamp duty then. There are many ways you can work out the stamp duty, um, but on properties under £125,000, the stamp duty works out at 3% on a buy-to-let one investment. So in this instance, it's £2,700. Now on stamp duty, I would take into consideration a few things. So if you are buying a, a buy-to-let in your second home, um, there are different sort of uh, thresholds. So like I said, up to £125,000 is 3%. Anything over that to 250 is 5%. And then obviously it increases from there. Um, there are actually stamp duty exemptions. So if you're looking at investing, probably not in this instance, but depending on the strategy you're going for, it might be worth looking at the exemptions because that can help when you're offering on a property. Um, I've managed to um, save some money on some due to the conditions of the properties um, and obviously making sure that there is a, an exemption on the stamp duty. So it's always a point looking on the government website at what exemptions you can look at and take into consideration when property purchasing. As well as that, um, something that I learned recently is if you're an overseas investor, for example, there is actually a surcharge that the government have added from the 1st of April 2021. And what this is, this is a 2% surcharge on top of the property. So, for example, if you was a UK resident and just buying a property purchase, um, like your residential, for example, you pay 0% up to 125000 Now, there are higher rates of stamp duty for second home purchases as well as the 2%. Now that is actually 5%, um, sorry, that's from the 1st of October 2021. So you can see that overseas investors actually pay a lot more stamp duty than UK residents. Now that's not to mean that UK property isn't a good investment, just means that that would have to be factored into the figures. Um, and that's something I've learned recently working, in, working with some overseas investors. Now, one of the other fees to take into consideration when looking at uh, purchasing is the legal costs. So I would always advise go out to a number of solicitors that um, through recommendations or referrals um, and speak to people that you know who are actively investing. I always use the one solicitor um, and basically take into consideration their fees. A lot of them have quotes that you can do online or you can just drop them an email. But I sort of factor in about £1,100 for this. The broker fee um, is also something when purchasing on a mortgage, so you're paying them for their services to go and find you the best deal out there on the market that's suitable for yourself. Um, for the benefit of this, £495, which for me, um, I actually find is extremely cheap for the, the service that is offered. So this is my uh, broker, James Green & Green. He charges me £495, which is very reasonable. Now, what comes with the... Um, mortgage broker fee and it is separate it's what the um, banks charge now the bank may charge evaluation fees they may not but it's always good to factor them in um, and that's 
you know, it could be anything from £200, £300. And sometimes um, if you take a mortgage out with them, they actually rebate that. So it always is deal dependent, but it's worth factoring some, some money in for that. Um, and depending on the condition of the property as well, it might be worth um, doing a survey. So there's different surveys, different levels of surveys. So you can get a standard valuation, you can get a home buyer's report or a full structural survey. Um, these obviously have different levels, different pricing. So it depends on how much you're sort of willing to spend and how far you want to go on these sorts of things. Refurbishment. Um, refurbishment is a cost that is completely different every single property you're purchasing. You might buy one property and you go in and it's going to cost you a grand just to do a lick of paint everywhere. Um, but you might be going in buying a property that needs a full refurb, could be anything from 10, 15, 20,000 pounds. So that needs to be taken into consideration. Under the refurbishment, what I always look at is things is the EPC up to date? Is the EICR up to date? So that's, um, well, they're, they're uh, regulations. You need to have an EPC these last 10 years. EICR needs to be carried out every five years. And I believe also checked um, between tenancies. And then you've got the annual gas safety check as well. So they always need to be taken into consideration. So these are always costs that I will factor in at the beginning, whether they need it or not. But it's definitely worth factoring these in. And you can find these out from your local tradespeople or if you're losing a let it, uh, using a letting agent, they should be able to provide you these fees as well. Sourcing fees. So that's a, another fee that people take into consideration. So sourcing fees. People have different levels of fees depending on the deal, depending on the area. Um, you know, so factoring anything from two and a half thousand, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand. Some sourcing fees even go up to ten thousand, and it is deal dependent. Um, what I would say about the sourcing fee as well is the sourcer should be transparent up front on what the fee is, so you can factor that in. Um, so yeah, these these are the costs then to take into consideration. So if you're looking at buying a property um, on a mortgage, you want to take into consideration the twenty five percent deposit, your stamp duty your legal costs, the mortgage broker fee, any valuation and fees included in the mortgage, any refurbishment or compliance, sourcing fees, and they're the fees that you're going to sort of pay up front. And there are fees that will come or may come after the, um, the actual purchase has completed. Once the purchase has completed, like I said, there are going to be fees and it depends on, the, like I said, the type of property. Um, but for this instance, we're just looking at buying a standard buyer to let with a tenant in situ. So if that's the case, you will not be paying a tenant fines, but there may be a um, some administration charges if you're changing over the tenancy from um, obviously a previous landlord to, to yours. So you have to serve a section 47 or 48 to obviously notify the tenants of the new owner. People may charge administration fees, some may not. If it wasn't with a letting agent and you're transferring it to a letting agent, there'll be administration fees for like tenancy renewals or making sure that the tenancy agreement is with your details on. They might be renewing it, for example, due to it being a new owner, a new agent. So there's tenancy fees to be taken into consideration. And if you are using the managing agent, depending on what service you use, whether it's just getting the AST or you want a full management, there's going to be monthly outgoings on, on their commission as well. So it could be anything from 10% up to 20%, you know, buy to let, um, you know, it might be average 12%, HMOs might be more than that. Um, but yeah, so once you also have that, you need to know that your mortgage payments, what they're going to be coming out each month. 
obviously factor in the contingency for your maintenance and voids. Um, your management costs, like I just said, it could be 12, 12%, 15%, and you'll need insurance as well. As a rule of thumb, what I would do is you'll know your mortgage payments because the broker will tell you that. Maintenance and voids, I factor in around 10%. Um, so if you rent 500 quid a month, I would factor in 50 for the maintenance and voids. Obviously, you've got to bear in mind, if you've got a tenant in situ, it's unlikely that you may have a void initially, depending on when they move out. So always check with the agent as well. If it is managed, like what's their rent arrears like? What's the churn on this property? How many tenants has it had in the last three years or five years? And that will give you an idea on the transiency of the tenancies. Um, management and, like I said, your insurance. So I do just rule of thumb about 25 quid a month for insurance. And management, I always work it out at the 12%. So taking all this information into consideration, the question is, how much will it cost me to buy a property? So in this instance, on a £90,000 property, your deposit's 22 and a half grand, your stamp duty's 2,700, legals 1,100, your broker fee just under 500 quid, so 495, 300 quid for valuation, I put in a 4K contingency for refurbishment, your 4K sourcing fee, Tenant find of 298 quid, that's my sort of tenant find fee if you're on a full management service. Your gas check, 78, EPC, 72, EICR at 180. I know I've just thrown the loads of numbers at you, but to put that into perspective, it works out around 35,723 quid. In There or thereabouts, that's a ballpark figure. Obviously, um, these figures are, are figures that I've used different solicitors, different brokers, etc. Um, their prices may differ as well as obviously the safety checks and compliance checks, etc. But in this instance, £35,700 to purchase a property. So with your £50,000, you would have about £14,000 left over. Now, what you can do is use the cash flow the, to compound, um, your net cash flow from that rental property to compound, add it to the 14000 Obviously, uh, depending on the term, you might be on a two-year fixed term. Subject to the capital appreciation, you can then refinance. This is obviously more technical stuff. Pull that money out and then you, sh you may have another £35,000. So just from that one property and the £14,000 saving from your 50k, this property has now afforded you to buy another one potentially in two years. Then obviously the compound effect from both of them properties and the refinancing, etc. means that from this one property... And that £14,000 and that whole £50,000 investment means that you can go on to invest and compound your cash flow and appreciation money from the refinances and purchase properties without actually having to save any more of your own money. So just buying the one property for less than £50,000 with that savings can afford you a lifetime of property investment. And just so that makes a lot more sense, I will do a full episode on this and I'm going to do a, uh, a webinar in the future on how you can actually purchase one property and this can afford you a lifetime of property investment. Now remember, property isn't a quick uh, get-rich-quick scheme. It is um, a long-term strategy when you're looking at buy-to-lets. That's why you know my strategy is buying and holding and holding for the long term. So I'll do a, a webinar, some videos and a podcast episode on that, on how that one property can you know allow you and afford you a lifetime of investing if you're enjoying the episodes please like subscribe leave some comments leave some reviews share it you know and if there's any content that you want me to uh, to discuss then just please drop me an email drop me a facebook message um, all my details are in the show notes 
let me know what sort of content you want and I can work on that. Um, you know, that across the listeners, everyone's diff, uh, interested in different strategies. So I'm happy to help out. And obviously the reason I'm doing this is pro- to provide you content. So I want it to suit you. So reach out, let me know what you want to hear and I can work on that. Thanks for listening to a whole load of property, business, and mindset. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you liked the podcast, please share it to others. In the meantime, to connect with Dan, follow him on Instagram at dancooper1992. Until next time.